our hearts with prayer. Elohe Avraham, Elohe Yitzhak, Elohe Yaakov, Elohe Yeshua Mishikenu. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob, and Yeshua our Messiah. Abba, we pray that you would speak to our hearts tonight. More importantly, through the Ruach Hashem, you would change our lives. That you would help us and reveal to us who you are in a deeper and greater way. And we ask Hashem Yeshua Mishikenu. And God's people said, Amen. Well, tonight and tomorrow, we're going to be speaking on the mystery of the Akidah. And um, before we do that, I want to reread Vayikra chapter 23 to remind us why we're here. Adonai said to Moshe, tell the people of Israel in the seventh month, the first of the month, is to be for you a day of complete rest for remembering a holy convocation announced with blasts on the shofar. Do not do any kind of ordinary work and bring an offering made by fire to Adonai. So the sounding of the shofar, and we're going to hear it tonight in all its glory, right? It's so awesome to hear that sound. This holy day ushers in the Yamim Noarim, the days of awe, spanning 10 days from Rosh Hashanah tonight, to Yom Kippur. Traditionally speaking, these days are days of introspection and repentance in order to ensure that our names are written in the Sefer HaChai, the Book of Life. An important thing, wouldn't you say? Today, we are celebrating a new year, 5779, right? And you thought it was 2018, didn't you? <laughs> and although we live in a society where information abounds and every human has access to so many things, there are still mysteries for us to uncover. Year after year, we as Jewish people celebrate the high holy days. We go to services and listen to the sound of the shofar. We leave feeling good that we have done the right thing, that we have completed the mitzvah of Rosh Hashanah. There are some questions, however, that are not often asked and frankly, should be explored. Why do we need to hear the sound of this shofar anyway? What is the significance of this unique command? What is its purpose, and what does it point to? Why did God have us listen to the sound of the shofar? We who celebrate Rosh Hashanah know that the story of the Akidah is an important part of this holy day. The Akidah is the story of the binding of Yitzhak, Isaac, found in Genesis, Bereshit, chapter 22. What you may not realize, if you are not orthodox, is that every day of the week, throughout all 12 months of the year, the Akidah is read and prayed over during the daily morning prayer service. So if you have a door at home, you'll see after the morning blessings is the Akidah that's read every single day. As Jewish believers in Yeshua HaMashiach, we see in the story of the Akidah a typological foreshadowing of the Mashiach's death, burial, and resurrection. Let us consider the similarities. In the Akidah story, we have Yitzhak, 
the only begotten promised son of his father, who willingly goes to be sacrificed by his father in a place that ends up being Jerusalem. It seems to be a foreshadowing of the Besorah, the gospel, a mystery hidden, and I would say not so subtly. We will look at this, these similarities more in depth as we go through the message both tonight and tomorrow. And you might be saying to yourself, Rabbi, slow down. Is that an adulterating reading of the story to say such crazy things? I've never heard that before. I would say this, perhaps it's a hidden Jewish version that you've never heard before. Think about it. Altogether, the Akidah is read 367 times a year by devout, observant Jews. No other passage in Scripture is read so often, recited, and prayed over as many times as Bereshit Genesis chapter 22 and the story of the binding of Isaac. That tells me something, that this story must be pretty darn important for us to glean from. Would you agree? Ask yourself this question then. Is there a reason for this emphasis? Is the Torah trying to tell us something? Does God want us to discover a mystery and reveal a profound truth? Well, in order to solve what I'm calling a mystery, I want to start in a seemingly unconventional place for many Jewish people. And that is the Brit Chadashah, the New Covenant Scriptures. Most people do not realize that the early community of Yeshua followers were all Jewish. That means that they had a Jewish understanding of Scripture, that they were familiar with ancient Jewish traditions, and they, they had an expectation rooted in early Jewish rabbinic thought. We understand and we should, or we will now, that the Talmud is not codified until 200 CE. And so that puts the writings of the early community of believers in Yeshua right in the mix of what becomes normative Jewish thought. So the writings of the Brit Chadashah are right in the mix of what gets codified into Jewish thought. Plus, realize that these people, these Jewish believers, who know nothing but a Jewish culture, a Jewish lifestyle, and Jewish tradition, these Jewish believers were closer to the sources and traditions than we are today. Would you agree? Which makes their observations extremely relevant to our solving this mystery. So we're going to, I told you we're going to start in the Brit Kaddishah, and we are. We're going to go to the book of Hebrews. This is the book written specifically to Jewish believers only. And the writer makes an allusion to the Achidah, Genesis, Bereshit, chapter 22. And he says this. Listen carefully. By faith being tested, Avraham offered up Yitzhak. Reckoning that God was able to raise him from the dead. That's what it says. Where does he get that rendition from? Because when we read the story, does it appear to you that God actually offered up Yitzhak? Did he offer up Isaac? 
or didn't he? Did he sacrifice his son or didn't he? It doesn't appear that he did with the casual reading of the story. It looks like God spared the son, right? And he stayed the hand. So how does the writer of the Brit Hadashah say, by faith being tested, Avraham offered up Yitzhak, reckoning that God was able to raise him from the dead? Well, I want to tell you that it's interesting to me that the answer to this question is not found in the Scriptures, not in Bereshit, Genesis 22, not in the rest of the Tanakh, not anywhere. There is not even a story like this in any Gentile literature concerning Yeshua. No story at all. So where does this come from? One writer says this, So uncomfortable is this lost illusion that the translators of the NIV render the passage as follows. Listen to me. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead and figuratively speaking, which isn't there in the text, figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from, the, from death. By obscuring the translation with the phrase figuratively speaking, the NIV smooths out the verse. We're no longer left wondering what story or what tradition he is talking about, and that's really too bad. Because the story and that tradition still exists in several versions to this day. It has been preserved for us and transmitted to us by the ancient Jewish commentaries on the scriptures. This is the Midrash. And indeed, the Hebrew word of this kind of story is Midrash. So I want to talk to you about the Besorah. The gospel. What is it? It is the story of the death burial, and resurrection of Yeshua HaMashiach. It is the central message of the Besorah, of the Gospels, of the Brit Chadashah. With that in mind, let us look at these ancient Jewish texts. In the Midrashic version of the Akidah, Yitzhak died on the altar. Rabbi Judah says, when the sword touched Isaac's throat, his soul flew clean out of him. And when he let his voice be heard from between the cherubim. Lay not thy hand upon thy lad. The lad's soul was returned to his body. Then his father unbound him, and Isaac rose, knowing that in this way the dead would come back to life in the future. Whereupon he began to recite, Blessed are you, Lord, who resurrects the dead. As soon as Abraham's knife reached Yitzhak's neck, his soul departed. He died. That's what they're telling us. Even if only for a short instant, Yitzhak died. Then when the angel of Adonai called to Abraham, telling him not to slay his son, Isaac's soul came back to him, and he was resurrected. The Midrash makes the story plain to us. It is a story, figuratively speaking or not, that's the story from which Abraham obtained Isaac back from the dead. And that's the illusion that the Jewish writer to Hebrews is making. It's found nowhere else except in the Midrashim. By virtue of Isaac, this is in the Melchita Simeon, by virtue of Isaac who offered himself as a sacrifice on top of the altar, the Holy One, blessed be him, 
will resurrect the dead in the future. As it is said, to hear the groaning of him who is bound, to open up release for the offspring appointed to death. Him who is bound is interpreted as Isaac bound on top of the altar. To open up release for the offspring appointed to death is interpreted as the dead whose graves the Holy One, blessed be he, will open up so that he may set them on their feet in the age to come resurrection. Based on this midrash, Jewish tradition as well as rabbinic writings treat Yitzhak as if he actually did die on the altar. Therefore, Yitzhak became an early symbol for resurrection. The Midrash goes on to point out the connection between Yitzhak and his Akidah and resurrection. Akidah meaning binding. Going as far as to say, on Yitzhak's merit, all the future dead will be resurrected, based on what Yitzhak did. That he died and was resurrected. Based on that, everyone else will be resurrected. This is huge. As we reflect on the binding of Isaac, what are we recalling? Think about this. We're recalling the only son being offered as a sacrifice. Dying and being resurrected again. Friends, that's the story of the gospel. As Jewish people, we're meditating on that 367 times in a year. This is a profound Jewish thought. Day after day, week after week, month after month, and year after year, without a break, we're meditating on Yitzhak's death and resurrection. It's also interesting to note how the Haftarah ties into solving this mystery as well. The rabbis, in setting up the Haftarah cycle of readings, look to complement and often restate the teaching of the weekly Parsha. For Bereshit, Genesis 22, the Haftarah is the story of the Shunammite woman and the death of her son, her only son, who is resurrected from the dead by the prophet. Are we seeing anything here that God is reminding us about week after week, day after day, year after year? Is that a coincidence? Or is it something God is trying to communicate, reveal to us in his word? Well, one commentator writes, the concept of Yitzhak's death and resurrection was so well established in the sages' minds that the story of the Shunammite son seemed to be like a natural choice to reflect the Akidah of Yitzhak. Both stories were about boys prophetically promised to barren women who subsequently died and were miraculously resurrected from the dead. To the sages, the story of the resurrection of the Shunammite son was the obvious choice to complement the story of the Akidah of Yitzhak because they believed that Yitzhak had died and come back to life. He goes on to say, and I'm almost done for tonight, 
did Yitzhak really die? Probably not. But it is definitely a concept concretized in the early traditions and stories of rabbinic Judaism. The story to which the writer of Hebrews referred is certainly the same Midrashic tradition we have just cited. That's what he's talking about. He was obviously aware of the story of Yitzhak's death and resurrection, and he must have been confident that his readership was also familiar with that story. Otherwise, it would have been an obscure reference to them. They would have said, like, oh, like if you just read it in the English, you would say to yourself, is he Meshuggah? Where does he get out of Bereshit chapter 22 that Isaac was, was offered up? That the writer and readers of the letter were familiar with this particular midrash shouldn't surprise us, right? After all, as I mentioned earlier, these are Jewish men who learned the scriptures from a Jewish perspective only, in a thoroughly Jewish context only. And the writer to Hebrews is reminding us about the Akidah. Because the Akidah speaks of a future sacrifice of another only begotten of the Father. As we conclude tonight's message, consider this similarity. The most widely known verse in all of the Brit Hadashah, the New Covenant, in my opinion, is an allusion to the Akidah as well. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God's one and only Son. Hear that, God's one and only Son, and hear this. Bereshit, chapter 22. And God said, take your Son, your only Son, the one you love, Yitzhak, and go to the land of Moriah, which is Jerusalem. And off from there, you and I both know he was never offered, right? But it was like he was offered. Why? Because God promised one. He said, God himself will provide. Listen to the rest of Bereshit in verse 12. And he said, don't lay your hand on the boy. Don't do anything to him. For now I know that you are a man who fears God because you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. So think of this. Abraham raised his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in the bushes by its horns. Not a lamb, a ram. God promised a lamb. But there was a ram there, and Abraham took the ram and offered it, and that's why we sound the shofar. But the shofar isn't for the ram. It's for the promised lamb. Blowing the shofar. Who will return with the sound of the shofar is the lamb that God promised that will come. Who has come once and will return. And that's Mashiach, Yeshua. Avraham raised his eyes and looked and he saw the ram court in the bushes by its horns. Avraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering in the place of his son. Listen, then Avraham called the place Adonai Yireh. The Lord will see to it and provide. 
Not that he has provided. Isn't that interesting? It doesn't say God has provided, that God will see to it and provide. There's a yet another provision to come. The lamb promised by God. The lamb who walked into Yerushalayim. He said, I am the lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. Is this an accident? I don't think so. As it is said to this day, on the mountain, Adonai is seen, or another translation, on the mountain, God will provide. And he did provide on that very mountain. What a coincidence, huh? Abraham has his one and only son. <laughs> right? God has a son. And because Abraham and Yitzhak showed their love for God so completely that they were willing to give up their life for God, God so showed his love back to humankind by sparing Abraham's son and providing himself his son, Ben Elohim, the son of God, who would come in the place for not only every Jew everywhere, but also for the nations of the whole world. Has that for a pretty good promise by God. Every day we read it. Every day the Akidah is there before us. Every day we're considering Yitzhak was dead and raised back to life, for that's the meaning that the rabbi give it. The only son of his father pointing to the only son of the father. God looking for us to get the mystery that he concealed revealed to our heart and to our life. Well, for some of us in this room, that's a wonderful confirmation of what you already know and believe. To others in this room, perhaps you've never considered that at all. Perhaps you've just come and gone through the motions of Rosh Hashanah year after year, eating your apples and honey, which are delicious, by the way. We're going to have some today. Eating your challah in the shape of a crown for the kingship of God with the raisin. So delicious. But really not the purpose why we come together, is it? The purpose really is to hear the story of God, the story about the resurrection, the death of Yitzhak. And the death and resurrection of Mashiach. So we can have hope eternal. Isn't that something? So if you're in this room and you never, ever put your faith and your trust. You see, it's always in the belief. It's, it's, it's really simply, God, God says this, believe. If you believe, it'll be done unto you. The prophet says, who has believed? Because you might say to me, Rabbi, that's such a fantastical story, right? Like the creation of the earth and everything you see in six days is not a fantastical story. <laughs> like the parting of the Red Sea is not a fantastical story. Like the splitting of the Jordan River is not a fantastical story. The walls of Jericho falling flat, not down, flat, is not a fantastical story. The stories of Eliyahu Hanavi and Elisha raising the dead, that's not fantastical? What's the key in all of those stories? Do you believe it? 
See, it's funny. God never gives us, you know, we always want proof. God never gives us proof. He just tells us the truth and says, believe me. So we're faced with a question today. Are we going to believe God? Are we going to keep on going in our own way? I want to encourage you. God has shown us and put this truth before us day after day and week after week and year after year. Why? Because he does so love you. And he wants you to be in on the sacrifice that he provided through Yeshua. Final atonement. You notice we celebrate Rosh Hashanah in 10 days Yom Kippur, but we don't celebrate it the biblical way. There's no sacrifice. There was a sacrifice mentioned, right, when I read Leviticus 23. It's supposed to be a burnt offering today. Did you bring one? <laughs> Do you have one? I forgot mine. <laughs> And if I did bring it, trust me, you wouldn't really want me to do it. It would be kind of ugly and gory and something that we wouldn't want to practice today, would we? So God saw to it and provided a once-for-all offering 2,000 years ago through the Messiah, Yeshua. And all you have to do is believe it. So I want to pray in a second. And if you say, Rabbi... I believe it. It's too coincidental. How could it be? How could that story be mentioned in the New Covenant Scriptures by Jewish believers? How could that story have an only son and God send an only son? And how could those stories be so similar? And if you come back tomorrow, you're going to see many more similarities between the two stories. Phenomenal similarities. Too many to be a coincidence. Not a coincidence. God. Revealing to us a mystery, hidden, that he wants you to know. So pray after me. Our Vino Malkinu, our Father and our King. Forgive us. Forgive me of my sins and shortcomings. As I enter into these days of awe, I repent. I turn from my ways. And I believe that Yeshua is indeed the promised Messiah of Israel and the Savior of the world. And I believe in him, and I will serve him all my days. Amen. If you prayed that and believed that and had that revelation tonight, God will change your life from, from here on out. Um, it's no accident you're here. It's no accident the story is told. It's no accident that Rosh Hashanah is emphasized as the Akedah. It was meant for you so you could come to know true atonement and true forgiveness in Messiah. Amen. Amen. A good encouraging message for us.